Welcome to the Watershed Teaching Podcast. Watershed is the high school ministry of Perimeter Church in Johns Creek, Georgia. Perimeter Church is part of the Presbyterian Church in America. Watershed is a place where we hope high school students would connect, receive, and transform. We want to see students connect with God and others through healthy community, receive His truth through gospel-centered, grace-based teaching, and be transformed by the gospel to then go transform their world. Thank you for downloading this podcast. For more information, please visit us at www.perimeter.org slash watershed. Hey, y'all. Tonight we are in the third week of a series on 1 John, and we're talking about the difference in the way the world views love and the way Christians and God views love. Tonight we're talking about love's difference. Um, and 1 John was written to a to Christians who were feeling discouraged, to Christians who were being swayed by false teachers, by people who were trying to pull them away from the gospel and the truth of the gospel. And John, his desire through this book was to remind them of who they were in Christ and what God had called them to. So tonight we're going to talk about, like I said, love's difference. So I'm going to read to you from 1 John 3, 11 through 18, and then we'll just talk about what the text tells us about love. It says, For this is the message you heard from the beginning. We should love one another. Do not be like Cain, who belonged to the evil one and murdered his brother. And why did he murder him? Because his own actions were evil and his brothers were righteous. Do not be surprised, my brothers and sisters, if the world hates you. We know that we have passed from death to life because we love each other. Anyone who does not love remains in death. Anyone who hates a brother or sister is a murderer. And you know that no murderer has eternal life residing in him. This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. And we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. If anyone has material possessions and sees a brother or sister in need, but has no pity on them, how can the love of God be in that person? Dear children, let us not love with words or speech, but with actions and in truth. So this passage tells us a lot about how we are to respond to the love that God has bestowed upon us. So there are three things that we, three ways we ought to love as followers of Christ. First, our love should be a natural response to the love that Christ has shown to us. Verse 16 says, By this we know love, that he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers. So this passage is saying that if we are followers and students of Jesus, then our lives should reflect the love that Christ has shown to us. Because we didn't deserve for him to lay down his life for us, and yet he did. And if we see that picture of his grace and his mercy, then we are going to be moved to show that to other people. I had a favorite teacher in high school. Her name was Miss Esslinger, and she taught world literature. And I like world literature. I like, I like reading and writing okay. Um, but she loved her subject. She loved... Wuthering Heights and Shakespeare, and she had a passion about it. And she loved her students. 
So I would read the text and I enjoyed it okay, but I knew when I went to class that she would unpack it for us and she brought it to new life. And I always did great on tests. I always did great on my papers because she instilled her love for the subject to me. And so it was a natural response. It was a natural flow for me to do well on the exams, for me to do well on the papers. Do you have a teacher like that? Is there a subject that you love more than others? Well, if we are truly students of Christ, then we will absorb his love for his people. God's greatest passion is his love for people. And so he has called us to, to exhibit the same love to others. If you can look at the love of Christ and not be changed, then you probably haven't really encountered the gospel. You probably really haven't encountered Jesus because his love is so radical that we can't help but see what he has done and turn, turn from that and be changed and want to go out and serve the world and serve others. The second thing is our love should be selfless. Verse 14 says, We know that we have passed out of death into life because we love the brothers. Whoever does not love abides in death. So I'm currently engaged, and we're reading through a book called Meaning of Marriage. And Tim Keller wrote that book, and, and he talks about how a marriage between two people doesn't work unless we're giving ourselves to the other person, unless we're living selflessly, and that our priority is to serve the other. When we begin to act selfishly and put our needs and our priorities above the other person, the marriage starts to fall apart. And the same happens when we're in relationship with our friends, when we're in relationship with our brothers and our sisters and our parents. We start to see disconnect when we're putting our needs and our priorities first. But in order for true love and true um, success in our relationships to happen, we're called to serve one another just as Christ served us. Tim Keller says in this book, in Ephesians 5, Paul shows us that even on earth, Jesus did not use his power to oppress us, but sacrificed everything to bring us into union with him. And this takes us beyond the philosophical to the personal and the practical. If God had the gospel of Jesus' salvation in mind when he established marriage, then marriage only works to the degree that approximates the pattern of God's self-giving love in Christ. So he's saying that in order for us to experience the love that we are longing for, the love of Christ, then we ought to serve other people. God calls us to love because he knows it will bring us life. He puts up these parameters because he loves us so much, because he knows what is best for us, and he knows how we're going to thrive. And he knows that the best way for our relationships to thrive is if we serve other people. Martin Luther King, as surely most of you know, was a great pastor and civil rights activist and during the civil rights movement. And he said this, The first question which the priest and the Levite asked was, If I stop to help this man, what will happen to me? But the Good Samaritan reversed the question, If I do not stop to help this man, what will happen to him? That should be our attitudes 
that we should be looking out for our brothers and our sisters. And that leads us to the final point, that our love should be in action. It shouldn't be inward focused, but it should be outward focused. Verse 18 says, Little children, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and in truth. So our love doesn't stop just with our relationship with God, but it should be outward focused. We can't just love others in word, but we must love them in action. So how, I have to ask you, how do your actions show that you love God and that you are a follower of Christ? If you love and if you confess your love for God inside the church, but your love for him, it, there, there are no actions outside of the church. If you don't love your neighbor or your classmate who is different from you, the homeless man or the woman on the street, the person who is of a different race or a different socioeconomic status than you, then the gospel hasn't really impacted you and you have a very small testimony outside of the church walls. God did not call us to the church for ourselves. He called us to the church in order for us to go out and to serve other people. What happens outside of the church is true worship. How you live your life when others aren't looking is when you really testify to who Christ is. I'm going to end with this quote and then challenge you with some questions to ask and discuss within your group. C.S. Lewis says, It is easier to be enthusiastic about humanity with a capital H than it is to love individual men and women, especially those who are uninteresting, exasperating, depraved, and otherwise unattractive. Loving everybody in general may be an excuse for loving nobody in particular. So do you talk about loving other people in a general sense? Do you talk about loving humanity and, and having passion for, you know, serving the poor and yet the individuals that you encounter on a daily basis who are different from you, maybe you look at them with, you scorn at them, you are annoyed by them. You don't want to go out of your way to befriend them or to be kind to them. How are you loving individuals? Jesus loved every individual he encountered. So how do your, I want you to spend time um, in your groups discussing these questions. How do your actions exhibit the love of Christ? Does your love look different than the world's love? Do you see Christ in others? Um, spend some time discussing this and praying for the ways to love others in your group. I'll close this in prayer. Um, God, we just thank you so much for the sacrificial love that you gave to us when we didn't deserve it. God, I pray that you would just stir my heart. I pray that you would stir the um, students' hearts who are meeting tonight in groups, um, that they would come to, to just be so moved by your love that they want to go out and serve other people, um, that they would get outside of their comfort zone, that they would get outside of their shells and their bubbles, Lord, and serve and love people who look different than them, people who they otherwise might overlook. I pray that you would start just a gospel movement in our community um, as we begin to go out with the love that you have motivated us with. Um, we just thank you for who you are. We thank you that you have called us um, to a greater love than this world knows. Um, and we just ask all of this in your son's name. Amen.